I'll tell you very honestly, a lot of people were scratching their heads and like, why would you walk away from a, you know, a six figure career when you're kind of at the, you know, height of your career? Why would you walk away from that? Especially when you seem so happy. And honestly, my, what I have come to learn and what I now teach is, you know, if you're going to make a transition like that, do it when you're at your happiest. Like, you know, when it feels complete, that's when you should take that opportunity to move forward. Welcome back, my friend. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I'm so happy to have you here with me on another episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. In just a moment, you're going to hear a powerful and inspiring conversation between myself and our guest expert today, Tracy Pleshcourt. Tracy is a life coach, a weight loss coach, and the founder of Self Made You. And she is on a mission to help empower busy women and busy moms to certainly lose weight, but to also create abundance in all different areas of life, in their careers, in their relationships, in their own sense of self-love and connection. And what Tracy discovered over a very beautiful career as an advertising executive with demanding roles, as well as really going through her own challenges with overeating and overdrinking, is that the secret to success lies inside. It lies inside our thinking and our feeling and the patterns that we create there. And Tracy teaches some very simple frameworks for understanding effectively our psychology and the neuroscience behind why we do what we do and how we can start to gain some reflection over our unconscious patterns and gain personal power to get rid of victim mentality and to create new powerful actions that lead to sustainable success. So in this conversation today, Tracy and I talk a lot about uh, weight loss and the specifics around nutrition, what she believes you should be eating. But we also then get into the inner game of these ideas of responsibility, agency, consciousness, and all these powerful tools that you can use to improve your life. And I love this conversation. I think Tracy absolutely knocked out of the park. So I'm excited to share this with you. And there's also going to be a bunch of links and cool stuff in the show notes you can check out as well. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest expert today, Tracy Pleshcord. All right, Tracy, welcome officially to the Fit Mother Project podcast, my friend. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I know we're going to have a really beautiful conversation today. And my aim personally is to kind of pick your brain and you know lead us through an amazing discussion where I want to talk about first your personal story. I want to get into some of your practical advice as a life coach and a weight loss coach for women on like what's going on, how do we create sustainable weight loss? And then I want to get into the inner game of creating a really a beautiful and abundant life, which you've clearly done. And so talk about all the different inner work that you do as a life coach and and leading so many women and men through your process. So to kick this off, can you give us a little bit of a, a short personal story? Like what brought you to this coaching? As I know we were a successful advertising exec, you had a busy demanding life and and I know you struggled with a lot of the stuff you help people with. So can you give us a, a little bit of a story to get acquainted with you before we get into the concepts? Yeah, you bet. Well, I absolutely love surrounding myself with creativity, people who are creative. And so I found myself in the advertising industry, climbed the ladder, ended up in a operational position. So although I wasn't technically responsible for the creativity and the um, collaboration of like 
brands and things like that. I had a huge influence over the culture of the agency, who we attracted, who and how we retained them. And it was such a gift to be amongst really creative people doing really great work and not having the responsibility of actually creating that work. So um, I spent almost 20 years in the advertising industry in that capacity of really kind of you know, that 10,000 foot view, I had a real strong understanding and a relationship with a lot of our clients. And I had this opportunity to kind of mold what the experience was from a client's perspective, as well as from an employee perspective. So um, I look back fondly on those years in that industry and um, what I, you know, eventually decided was that I was spending way more time away from my family than I wa- than I wanted to. And I was starting to see um, kind of this light at the end of the tunnel where my kids were getting ready to go away to college. I was going to have an empty nest. And I had spent so many hours away from them that I thought, you know, here's my chance. If I don't, you know, take this opportunity to go home, spend time with them, it's likely that I'm going to be having some regret and I'm not a person that does regret well. And so I decided, you know, why not leave when you're kind of at that pinnacle point in your career? Um, It served me really well. And I knew without a doubt, the skill sets that I had developed from being from the responsibilities that I had would serve me well in any capacity. But One of the things that became very clear is that I love mentoring and I love developing cultures. And so I kind of took that with me, came home, got this awesome opportunity to spend time with my kids before they left for college and, you know, got an opportunity to really kind of show them how to take control of your life and your career, really intentionally make some decisions that serve you and not just follow this script, you know, of what people think you should be doing. Because I'll tell you very honestly, a lot of people were scratching their heads and like, why would you walk away from a, you know, a six figure career when you're kind of at the, you know, height of your career? Why would you walk away from that? Especially when you seem so happy and Honestly, my what I have come to learn and what I now teach is, you know, if you're going to make a transition like that, do it when you're at your happiest. Like, you know, when it feels complete, that's when you should take that opportunity to move forward because you'll find yourself in a place of like gratitude when you look back and there's no sort of resentment, which is a really you know, horrible place to live from. So I learned a lot from that. And I teach that often. I would say it was more about the desire to spend more time at home with my kids and to have more of an influence on them prior to them leaving the nest than it did anything else. Like I can work a lot of hours with the best of them. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, the grind that everybody talks about, you know, the long corporate hours or any of that, you know, it it had to do with the desire to be with my family a little bit more and, you know, mission accomplished. So now are there stresses with being at that high of a level? Of course, of course. And did I, 
you know, do all of the things that a lot of other women do, like buffer when they're feeling stressed with alcohol or food, of course. So I have a lot of those life lessons that um, I was able to help other women, you know, with that maybe had those same experiences. But ultimately, those weren't the driving factor of why I left. It was really pursuing this desire to be home more. Nice. It's a powerful story. And I mean, it's really amazing that you did choose your family because you had that authentic desire to do so. And now all this amazing stuff has blossomed from that. I mean, you're coaching in this new life and this new chapter that you have. And I think there's a lot of women who also want to find a new chapter in their lives. It may be a career pivot, but I think a lot of the women listening here, it's a health pivot. It's feeling like you're not in a body that you love, that feels good. This has been a long-standing problem. And so let's go high level and quickly on a topic that you love to speak about, which is some lies told by the diet and weight loss industry, because it's not an accident that millions of women feel this way. It's kind of like a culture and it's been propagated by messages from advertising, et cetera. So what are some of those lies? And then let's talk about what it takes to like sustainably lose weight, get healthy and, and maintain that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so as you said, that messaging, whether it's direct or indirect, right? We, you know, we take that in and we make lots of meaning of that. And we decide unintentionally and intentionally what it is that we're going to believe and how we're going to, and then therefore we live our life from those beliefs. So, you know, some of the myths, I mean, I could talk about for days, but I would say the, the big three would be, you know, the food pyramid, If you think about, you know, at at our earliest age, when we learned about nutrition, we were told that where we should be finding the majority of our food from was the bottom of that pyramid. It was the largest portion, right? And it's the, it's primarily carbohydrates. And, and obviously now, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but because I live in that world, I now know that, you know, I would rather eat from the tippy tippy top of that pyramid, which is fats. I choose good fats because I know that those fuel me. But if you are somebody that buys into that particular myth that you should be eating primarily or the or the majority of your diet should come from that bottom part of that pyramid, you're going to find yourself probably metabolically unfit because you are going to be spiking insulin on a very regular basis because you're probably eating a good majority of those carbs or probably refined carbs. So um, I would say that's that's probably the biggest myth. You know, calories in, calories out is another one that you hear. You often even hear that from medical professionals. And so that insinuates that you can exercise your way to weight loss. And I believe that it has much more to do with hormones and really balancing out your insulin through the means of balancing out your, your blood glucose and managing what it is that you're eating. So I think fat loss comes from managed insulin, not from necessarily burning the calories. Oh gosh, what else? You know, high fat, you know, is what makes you fat. I, I don't believe that either. I think that, you know, um, the, no sugar era that we went through in in the 80s was or excuse me the no fat was the in the 80s was the high sugar era that has now contributed to the obesity epidemic and so um i would say those are three myths that growing up in the 80s that i was exposed to that you know i fell prey to for sure 
those were the things that I, those were the boxes that I was checking. And I found myself overweight and unhappy and metabolically unfit. Nice. So I want to ask you specifically, just to kind of put a bow on this, what does a day of eating look like for you? Average day during the week, you're trying to perform well, doing your coaching and whatnot. Like run us through a day of your food and water intake from basically when you get up, when you go to bed, average day. Yeah. Okay. So here's what it starts with. It starts with a whole lot of intention. I make a decision on the front end, what it is that I'm going to eat and how much water, how much I'm going to hydrate myself. So the reason why I do that, and I just don't leave it, you know, to spontaneity or, you know, see what happens with my day or even, you know, run with the thought that I know what's best for me and I'll make good decisions. I don't even, I don't even take that approach. I make a decision on the front end of the day about what it is that I am going to do in regards to my eating. And I would say I have learned to leverage the power of making decisions ahead of time in every area of my life. So it works so well with food that I do it, you know, from a place of what is it that I'm going to be thinking and feeling so that when I show up on a podcast, I'm ready to go. I'm actually very intentional with the way I think and the feelings that I'm intentionally generating. But to answer your question, so on a daily basis, I I prefer not to eat anything until usually around one o'clock in the afternoon, which is interesting because I actually love breakfast type foods. I love eggs. I love bacon. And so I find myself making eggs or bacon, eggs and or bacon in the afternoon. And I would eat it more as what most people would think lunch. So that's when I'm breaking my fast. So if I if I stop eating the night before, maybe somewhere around seven o'clock, I've gotten a great fast in. So I've really allowed my insulin to level out and I take my blood glucose. So I know where I'm at from a, you know, if I'm, if I'm creating ketones, um, if I'm within that sweet spot of blood glucose, I monitor that pretty closely. So often I will go even longer than, you know, a 24, 36 hour fast because it makes me feel good. I recognize that human growth hormone is at play. The noradrenaline hormone is at play. It just feels so much better. So sometimes I'll milk that fast even longer, but most days it's, I don't eat until the lunch hour. I will, I'm very sustained and satiated just through water, sometimes coffee with a little bit of heavy whipping cream. You know, I don't find myself getting hungry. I have enough fat on my body to sustain those intermittent fasts. And so, you know, the good thing that I try to keep in mind is that if my body needs energy, it's going to tap into the stored fat that I'm carrying for energy because I'm not eating anything to give it the other source. And then I will continue to get in. I really try hard to get in almost a gallon of water a day. So I am very intentional with that. Like I have a huge water bottle sitting right next to me that when I'm sitting here in front of my computer, it's so convenient. So that is a great tip for anybody. Convenience is everything. And again, I'm very intentional about that. I make the decision. That's how much water I'm going to drink. I fill that up in the morning and sits right next to me. Um, And then in the evening, I usually do some sort of vegetable-based dinner. So a salad with a moderate amount of protein is usually my go-to. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're eating a very low carbohydrate. First meal, you're breaking a fast with high fat, uh, high protein nutrition. Happens to be breakfast foods, which are easy to make and they they taste good, keep you full. Um, you drink a lot of water throughout the day, sometimes some coffee, but in the morning, you're setting an intention about what you're going to do. So in that period, I mean, I think that's a really unique thing you shared. Are you actually saying that day, I'm intentionally, on the nutrition aspect, the intention, I'm intentionally knowing that I'm having eggs and bacon today and the salmon and a salad or salmon and asparagus for dinner. And you've like preset that and you know, and you're making the decision that morning or have you made it earlier in the week? Usually that morning, but um, my husband loves to cook. So he will kind of create the menu for the week. And, and there are days where I fast all day long. I'll do some sort of alternate day fasting. It, it really has, I set, I make that decision based on what my week looks like. So if I'm going, if I have a public speaking event, I would rather do that engagement on a fast. I am thinking so much more clearly. I have so much more energy. Um, so I'm really, really intentional about where I put my fasts. And, um, so, and then I also look at what he's got planned for, um, the week in regards to menus and, and that's what I make my decisions from. But yeah, I usually do it morning of, um, and I, and I write it down. That's another tip. Like, Let's not keep it in our head and keep it, you know, abstract. Let's put it down in black and white on paper so you can objectively see, like, does this actually work? And it might sound, you know, um, I don't know. It might sound a little silly, I guess, to, to write down what it is that you intend to eat and when. And I would even go so far to say how much, right? And I write down um, what my blood glucose is, what my ketones is at the different times that I'm monitoring. I usually monitor that prior to breaking a fast. Um, And then I'll monitor it maybe an hour after I've eaten. I just want to see how quickly that blood glucose spike comes back down. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very intentional throughout the day and I keep copious notes and it never gets old because I'm always learning something about myself. And that really, that education really kind of fuels and perpetuates the, you know, curiosity that takes me into the next day. Yeah, that's beautiful. And something that occurs to me as you share this is this kind of nutrition plan that you've set up is the one that fits your schedule, your personality type, you know, which I would say is like, seems like pretty type A, like you able to like have structure, very conscientious and like you want to feel great. So this works with you. And I think everyone listening, like intermittent fasting is an amazing tool. We talk about it on the podcast and our programs. The key though, I think the deeper message is you found a system that you have dialed in that's repeatable, sustainable, makes you feel good, involves these tools and like Everyone needs to find their system. That seems to me to be what helps things things sustainable. So on that note, you say there's four principles of sustainable weight loss, and maybe maybe there's more in your framework, but like, tell us about some of the concepts that you believe make weight loss sustainable for women. Yeah. So my company is called Self Made You. And so because I am super clever and I come out of the advertising industry, I created the framework called Self, S-E-L-F. And those are what I consider to be the four basics of any sort of sustainable change. Now we are talking in the context of weight loss. And so this beautifully um, relates, but it is solving the mind math first and foremost. So The unintentional thoughts that you're having are creating the unintentional experiences that you're having. 
And I teach you exactly, you know, I show you how you are going about that and why that happens. Like, again, it's all about the education. So you do have a primitive part of your brain that's trying to keep you safe that you are reacting from all day, every day. But if you don't like those those experiences that you're having or those results that you're getting, you also learn how to be intentional and choose what kind of thoughts and feelings you want to use to drive other results for yourself, intentional results. Tracy, I want to pause you for a second. I want you to maybe present a specific example here with with the mind math as it relates to weight loss. So like, what would be an example of an automated thought or something that comes up from the primitive brain? Like, let's go through that as we go through the framework. Yeah. Well, so we just finished talking about fasting, right? And you might have a whole lot of women in your audience or men who are thinking, I could never do that. That is an unintentional thought that's happening in the background that's making them feel like, I don't know, maybe a sense of defeat or insecurity. Like there's probably an unwanted feeling that they might be able to recognize before they would actually be able to connect the dots to the thought that they're unintentionally having. Because it does um, take a certain skill set to even have the awareness of what it is that you're feeling unintentionally, right? Because this is, we have 60,000 thoughts on average a day, a day. Every thought is generating a feeling or two or three, right? And we just go upon our day, like almost in autopilot. We're not even realizing that that's the formula playing out. That's actually creating our experience. We only experience life through feelings, So I just break it down. I always talk about, I have a brain that works best with frameworks. My brain is certainly not a vault. It's a processor. So I like to teach in frameworks. And so we have the framework of the four basics to weight loss, but we also have the the framework for the mind math. And it is simply your thoughts, whether they're unintentional or intentional, create a feeling. So if you're having a thought that I could never fast that, and you have an awareness of the thought, or maybe you have an awareness of the feeling that you're experiencing. Maybe it's um, confusion. Maybe it's overwhelm. Maybe it's doubt, right? That is connected to that thought that you just have. I could never fast. Okay. So now you're, let's say you're experiencing doubt. So then how do you show up? When you're feeling doubtful or insecure in your ability, how do you show up? What do you do? What don't you do? What's the vibe from which you're doing it? What's the self-talk going on that you may not have any awareness of? Like I'm just trying to heighten that level of awareness because this is very repetitive. Your primitive brain is always at work. It is the default part of your brain. And from that, you are creating your experience. So you have a thought, I could never fast, which creates doubt, which then has you showing up looking for all sorts of evidence on all sorts of things that you can't do, right? Or maybe you start looking for evidence in why that doesn't work instead of being open to trying something new, to proving to yourself that You could fast maybe just two extra hours going beyond what you would normally do. 
you know, you're fasting while you're sleeping, just being open to the new ideas, right? And then showing yourself that you get new results when you actually think and feel differently. Same exact circumstance, but one is unintentional and one is intentional. It's ultimately a process of awareness and gaining more awareness over unconscious thoughts or automated thoughts or even conscious thoughts that we we may have that are leading to feelings that we may not desire and we want something new. What's the process that someone goes through with this? Is it, it's probably different for every people. Is it, is it journaling these thoughts, making more awareness? Is there a morning or an evening aspect to this? Like how are we taking inventory and starting to get more awareness and more consciousness versus the unconscious patterns? Yeah. So not unlike creating my food protocol every single day for myself, I start my day with a thought download. Just what am I thinking? What am I feeling? It's not really a diary. It's not meant for anybody else to read. It's just like a brain dump. It's just getting it all out there. So then I can be objective about it. I can actually see maybe over a period of time, what keeps coming up for me, whether it's a feeling or a thought, And then that's the thought or the feeling that I would suggest putting into the mind math formula and really seeing very clearly what that thought and or feeling is creating for you so that, and here's the key, so that you can make the choice. You can make an intentional choice. Do I want to continue to create this for myself or do I want to do something different? That's the point of all this. It is not deeming yourself right or wrong, good or bad. That's not it. It's all about choice. And that's when I say I teach people how to become self-made, it's first showing them that they can take responsibility for all of their thoughts, all of their feelings, all of their results, whether they're unintentional or intentional and showing people that they actually have control. Like that is such a great awareness to have. If you're somebody that is constantly placing blame on things outside of you, it's such good news that you really do have a choice to think differently about any circumstance. It gives you all the power, right? Instead of doling it out to other people or other things or, you know, any other circumstance, right? It's you actually retain the power. You have the capacity. You have, you certainly are capable of being intentional, of choosing your thoughts and your feelings. And it all starts with the awareness. So yeah, the thought download is how I start every single day. So solving the mind math is the S. The E is eating foods that fuel you. Now, a lot of people will say, okay, well, that makes perfect sense when it comes to weight loss, but how, what does that have to do with like professional growth? Well, I'm all about metabolic health, which translates into energy. So if you're not eating foods that are fueling you, you're probably not showing up in the best version possible, right? You're not going to be thinking clearly. You're not going to have sustained energy. So eating foods that fuel you is hugely important. Um, The L is learning how to collect data so that you make decisions from data. Again, It makes perfect sense when we're talking about weight loss. You can collect data on your weight, on your measurements, on from your blood. But if you're talking about professional growth or your finances, right? We want to look at the data. We want to look at the numbers, the quantifiables. So we don't lean into all of the dramatic thoughts and make decisions from drama. And then um, the F is fasting. And I believe that fasting is 
a great tool to balance out your insulin, to increase your energy, to position yourself for longevity, quite honestly. So um, again, that translates into pretty much every area of your life. Um, And I do love using fasting, the tool of fasting in a kind of a unique and a little bit sneaky way because people who haven't engaged in fasting before will probably present with feelings like deprivation, restriction. And when that happens, it shines a light on where the real work is. And you never have a feeling without having a thought that's triggering it. So it it takes us right back to solving the mind math. So it's very cyclical and they, they all support each other. So that's those are the four basics that I teach. Um, we teach it in the context of weight loss, but we also use it in a very successful way for a lot of other results that our clients want to create for themselves. It's an awesome framework. And I want to get into something that you mentioned that I think is hugely important. And it's this idea of responsibility. The idea of we have effectively a choice in in how we view situations once we have conscious awareness shown on it. And we can sometimes feel like we're empowered or we can feel like we are a victim. And I believe there's a lot of people, we can talk about the health domain and weight loss, but maybe other, other areas of life, family, interpersonal relationships, business stuff. How important is responsibility as it relates to happiness, well-being, success, performance, weight loss? And let's dive into this pretty deeply here. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let me give you something to kind of think about because this blew my mind when I first learned about what does responsibility even mean? And I, when I learned this, I ran with it in my, in my business. So this is the way I teach responsibility. So if you break down the word, it's your ability to respond. So I teach the difference between your primitive and your prodigy, the two parts of your brain, primitive brain, prodigy brain, your primitive brain is very reactive. Okay. So um, typically when you're reacting from a feeling, it almost never ends well. It's not typically the result that you want to be creating for yourself. So, it, and it happens very fast and it almost always happens on default. Okay. It's happening from a fear-based thought. That's how your primitive brain reacts. Now your prodigy brain is all about responding. It's all about looking at data. It's all about making good, qualified, quantified decisions, okay? So if you think about it from like, um, say you're going to the doctor and you have a rash and um, the doctor gives you an antibiotic to cure, to help this rash, And you might have a reaction to that antibiotic. Let's say maybe you have a breathing reaction. That It's not a good scenario. That's not what you're actually going for. You don't want to have a reaction. You actually want to respond to that. With that antibiotic, you want to have a good response. You want to hopefully be cured. So I always think about Reaction is not what I'm going for. I'm going for a response. I want to respond to this. So I know that my primitive brain, by default, is always reacting to that fear-based thought. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Primitive brain thoughts are always going to be there. If they're not there, something is wrong. Like that part of our brain is meant to keep us safe. It's a survival part of our brain. 
But the reality is we're not in a lot of danger, but yet that part of our brain is always working. So it takes a level of awareness. You know, it takes us, you know, it takes us strengthening that ability to be more present, to see that that's actually happening and to remind yourself, wait a minute, I have a choice. Do not need to be reacting. I can respond. So it's, you know, showing or being willing to take responsibility is strengthening. It's utilizing that ability to respond versus react. And, you know, having responsibility for unintentional results as well as intentional results means you retain the control. It's not when I say taking responsibility for your results, I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying that in an empowering way. And I think that it gets lost in translation. So I most people are on a pursuit of happiness, right? They do things thinking that the end game is going to equal happiness. And often they're putting that onus on something outside of them. They think another person is going to make them happy. They think food is going to make them happy. They think the right job or the number in the bank account is going to make them happy. Those are all circumstances. Those are all things outside of you. I want you to respond in a way with intentionality. I want you to be thinking, I create my own happiness. I create my own happiness with the thoughts that I intentionally think. And once those thoughts are practiced, you create well-driven neural pathways and eventually those get down-regulated and your primitive brain will on default be thinking those thoughts. Your primitive brain loves to be efficient. Currently, it's probably being efficient with thoughts that you've carried forward for a really long time. So we want to take the responsibility for creating our own thinking and then we want to practice them over and over and over. So they are the new well-driven neural pathway. That's how we create happiness for ourselves, no matter what the circumstances. Nice. And it's a practice and it gets easier. I think that's the cool thing. And just like health momentum gets easier when you have your sustainable nutrition system, your exercise habits, it gets easier over time. You have positive momentum, largely driven by repatterning these neural grooves of thinking and that's awesome. And and a distinction that came to me is you mentioned the word circumstance a couple of times, which may be like the external environment in which we find ourselves. And, and sometimes we're not the direct cause of that, whether it's like a COVID pandemic worldwide shutdown or, or, or someone or a family tragically dies. We have some kind of genetic illness, but our ability to respond to those, we can create our own internal experience related to all of that. I'm hearing you correctly with that. I, I know that to be true. And, and, that's, and then our life experience ends up being one of agency, control, joy, possibilities versus in this reactive, fearful mode. So what would it look like for someone who struggled for a long time with weight loss? There may be a victim thought of, dang, I can never do this. My hormones are totally out of whack. I can no longer, like my body's just not possible for me to get healthy. I'm just not thin like someone else or like I'm just too old at this point. I know you've talked about some things, but I want to dive into this example and bring in some of these tools about how if you were in this position, or I guess coaching this person in this position, 
What would you start on a daily basis to start to like grasp that? Yeah. Well, so I would get real clear on first off, what is it that they're feeling? Because I think it's important to get very, very specific. If we stay vague, we're going to create vague results for ourselves. So I want to know exactly what it is that they're feeling. So I believe in the importance of that so much that I create like a feelings wheel for my clients to actually reference so that they can find the feeling that they're actually feeling or the emotion that they're actually feeling. It's so important because if you really think about it, our vocabulary of feelings is quite small. And then we just, we start to identify as that. And So if you can get real clear and concise on what it is that you're feeling, then we're going to have much better odds of connecting the dots back to the thought that's actually generating that. And not always are we going to come up with that thought. Often it'll be a surface level thought, but to, to your thought that you had offered up, like I've never been able to lose weight or something about, you know, now I have hormones in play for women you know, who are middle-aged now, or maybe postmenopausal, they'll have thoughts around that. And, and those thoughts may be creating a feeling of defeat. And when those thoughts are happening from your primitive brain, you're often, when you start showing up, when you start, when you start, when you get to the behavior line, so you have that thought of, you know, now I'm postmenopausal and I'm never going to be able to lose weight or, Maybe you're, you know, premenopausal and you look back to your childhood and you've been battling weight your entire life and you now operate from the belief of I've never been able to lose weight. Either one, you might be experiencing some variation of defeat. And guess what your primitive brain does? It looks backwards. It's trying to create a sense of evidence. It wants to, it wants to create truth from that thought because it's almost never true. Like you can poke holes in those primitive brain thoughts, but you have to have the wherewithal, you have to have the presence to even recognize that it's happening. So you could, is it true that I've never ever been able to lose weight? Is it true that now that I'm postmenopausal, there's no way I could lose weight? Or is that just a real dramatic thought that I'm operating from? Right. And so in what ways is that not true? Like, so I, as the coach would, would prompt the client by asking high, I say high quality questions. Sometimes they're the simplest questions, but if you don't ask yourself, you are not opening up the door to consider anything else. Right. And you're just going to keep believing that primitive brain thought that's based in fear. That's probably not serving you at all. And so my job as the coach is to prompt you with questions. And so I think that there is no better tool that you could gift yourself than a really great question. Like, like what else could be true about that circumstance, right? You're like, you're so convicted in the fact that that's truth. And that even if it was true, the fact of the matter is, is it's not serving you. So why, why choose to continue to, you know, believe that thought and feel that sense of defeat if it's not serving you? In your methodology, once you start to question those thoughts and we'll first be aware of the feelings, then we go back to what the root thought is. Once we find that, 
we look at the thought, is it true? Can we absolutely know this thought is true? And then, you know, we can see that it's it's likely not absolutely true. There is evidence. And once we poke holes, that thought now becomes less powerful. And we've also observed it. So we're not as attached to it. Do you use anything on the, what I would consider like the positive additive side on like affirmation or something to start to repattern new grooves? Is that a part of your process or is it more observing the thoughts, taking new actions through choice? And then that's starting to repattern just by positive actions, generating new thoughts. Any of this speak to your process? It does. Um, and I, what I would say is that I think everybody is unique and everybody's kind of, kind of has to find what works for them. Um, I, I truly believe that that's what's going to create a sustainable practice by not following somebody else's script and by following what works for you. So if you find that million dollar thought that makes you feel amazing and open and curious and, you know, maybe self-love or unconditional love for others, and you get tons of mileage out of it, great. Then I say, yeah, affirm that thought every darn day. But that might not work for everybody. And I'm not all about the power of positive thinking. I'm all about the power of believable thoughts. Find what's believable for you. And sometimes it's continuing to ask more and more questions. Like, how is this even more believable to me today than it was yesterday? Like that might be able to get you more mileage, right? And the same thought isn't always going to have the same effects. And so you have to understand that too. And I like to give people the visual of like a ladder that you're climbing. So if you, if the very bottom of the ladder is um, where you're really, you know, experiencing some unwanted feelings, and we start to go through the work of it poking holes into the primitive brain thought that's generating that feeling, that's that first rung on the ladder. And then the next rung is just the next best thought. And we just practice that thought until that one becomes believable. And then we want to level up. So you're not going to have like 100% contrast, you know, from you're not going to go from that first rung on the ladder all the way to the top. Like you got to work your way there. And that's truly what creates an extraordinary life because the every rung of the ladder creates like this new perspective of contrast for you. And it really opens you up to abundance. And so the process is and people say this all the time, it's like the joy is in the journey, right? It's not at the finish line. And I think until you see how your thoughts start to evolve and your therefore your feelings start to evolve, you don't really understand that. And so I really do appreciate like every rung of that ladder. Yeah. And it's, I'd say it's a ladder as you're climbing, you're gaining this, this sense of personal power which is what we could describe as the ultimate feeling you get from living consciously choosing and with intention that you're evaluating and improving the different areas of life and following your natural desires to like to improve those things. And I think this leads me to the final question that I want to ask you, and this is kind of like a bigger picture thing, but how can living this healthier path lead to amazing abundance and success in all areas of life? So speak to the promise of specifically in the domain of health, but I suppose also what happens in life and what do you see with your clients when they also do this kind of work? What I'll use the catch-all term around mindset uh, and around investigation. Like what happens to your clients within a year, two years, three years? Like what happens when this work is done? What do you see? 
Yeah, well, it is fascinating because I would say a very high percentage of my clients will talk about their experience um, from the perspective of, I thought it, all I wanted was to lose weight. And here they are, you know, six months, 12 months down the road, and they see transformation in all sorts of areas, professional, relationships, finances. And it's all because what they learned was how to manage their thoughts and their emotions, how to take control, how to be intentional. So once you learn that skill set, you can't help but practice that in every area of your life. So how does weight loss equate to professional growth? Well, it's the skill sets that you have to learn to create that result that then become applicable in every other area of your life. So that's how that translates. I think about it like when I was in corporate America, I was so driven by a certain income. And I was also from a personal level, I was so driven to a number on a scale. Like I was always in pursuit of that number. And why? Because I thought that number is what was going to make me happy. And it's so fascinating because today I sit here probably at that same weight that I was at where I kept thinking, if only I could be at, you know, whatever, 130 pounds, I'll finally be happy. And I can honestly say, I'm so happy right now. I'm so satisfied with my life. It has nothing to do with the number. It has everything to do with how I choose to think. And so it really becomes mind-blowing when you live a lot of your life in pursuit of a circumstance because you think a circumstance, a number in a bank account, a number on a scale is what's going to make you happy. It blows your ever-loving mind when you realize, oh, it had nothing to do with that. The happiness never came from that. It came from the way I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about my life. I'm thinking about my, my, my work, my family, my body. Yeah. And what you described, the word that like kept on coming through in my mind as you're talking is this idea of freedom. Like you feel free. You're no longer tied to the bondage of those associations with specific numbers. And I think when we feel free in whatever that means to each individual, there's the sense of joy on the back of that the freedom and the openness of, and then the joy starts to pour through. And when joy starts to pour through and you start to live through more joy, good things start to happen. Like you're nicer to people, you more quality work and abundance starts to flow. Amazing. Like this was a really powerful conversation. Yeah. It's all compounded. Yeah. And now I'd love to turn over the floor to you. I know there's going to be some women listening to this who are very interested and relate to you deeply um, and might be interested in coaching and learning more about self-made you and your all your different offerings. We'll definitely have links in the show notes for this episode, but tell us where people can find you, where you'd like to direct them. And again, I just want to thank you again for sharing some deep stuff today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I would love to invite your audience to my website, selfmadeyou.com and self-made, and then it's the letter U.com. We have a quiz right now. We just launched this quiz that reveals your persona um, when it comes to food. So it's your relationship with food that creates you know, the weight that you're at. 
almost always. And so when I say relationships all exist in our mind, so it all has to, it all goes back to the thinking, but I think it's fascinating to see what your particular persona is. So we have the romantic, the quick fixer, we have the overthinker. And I think it's just through like 90 seconds of questions, your persona is revealed. And then we offer you a free five-day challenge that helps you solve the mind math related to that persona. So yeah, I would I would invite anybody to come take that quiz because I think it's it's so fascinating to see what your real relationship is with food. Nice. Well, Tracy, thanks again for coming on and sharing the powerful connection between mind and body and also being a living example of a very courageous woman and mom who's able to like one, have a kick-ass career, then make the pivots and now share and help with all the stuff that you figured out. It's, I think it's the best thing. You're kind of living what I would consider like a self-actualized life, one who's like walked the walk and now is able to like share and pass that on. So I know I got a lot of value out of this. Everyone else did. So thanks for coming on the Fit Mother Project podcast. I'm really grateful you're here. My pleasure. Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. If you love what you heard, I have a favor to ask you. Please consider taking 60 seconds right now to leave us a rating and review on our podcast. Leaving us a review is super quick. It only takes a minute and it's so, so helpful to us as it really boosts this podcast to reach more people who need this information and this message. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can leave us a star rating and review. If you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and leave us a comment. Overall, I truly appreciate you being with us here on the podcast. On behalf of me and my entire Fit Mother Project team, we truly feel honored and grateful to support you and your family on your journey to fantastic health. I thank you for your support of this podcast and of this mission. Also, if you're interested in joining our Complete Fit Mother program and becoming an official member of our community, you can visit our website, fitmotherproject.com. And on the Fit Mother site, you'll be able to see our Complete Fit Mother program along with our online store with the best supplements designed for busy moms. And you'll also find a ton of free resources like recipes, workouts, meal plans, and more. God bless you and your family. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll catch you on the next episodes of the Fit Mother Project podcast.